Let's go ahead and get out uh, to the Sprint special guest line. Joining us now, he's the radio analyst for the Utah Jazz, our good friend Ron Boone. Booner, what's going on? How are you? Not a lot of nothing, man. Just, you know, um, you know, finding time to do nothing during the day. Yeah, I was going to say, you, you <laughs> keep him busy, you stay insane. Golf's still open have and you, going. That's good, right? Have you ever tried to find time to do nothing? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, I, it seems like I used to try and find that time all the time. Now it's all I do. What's going on with you guys, huh? Hey, we're just trying to talk what sports is out there. We were wrapped up in the Michael Jordan docuseries like everyone else, trying to talk about how the NBA would possibly come back. And, of course, jazz news uh, going on. Booner, let's let's start with the, the Michael Jordan docuseries with you. Have you been keeping up with that? And what do you think? I watched it. I was uh, glued to it, probably like everyone else, and um, was, I don't know, fascinated with uh, how controlling Michael Jordan was and how he got seemed to get the best out of a lot of players. You know, he, uh, you know, great players do things like that. And, and it, was, it was fun to watch, guys, believe me, and it was, uh, you know, parts of it you were wondering, like, you know, how can you take this from this guy, you know? But he got the best out of a lot of guys. Uh, Booner, you always known as a player, as a tough competitor. Uh, mm-hmm. Have you noticed in different guys' levels of this thing that Jordan had, almost as though his 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 identity was tied to, to every game and he, was, he, he had to prove to the world that he was king? I don't know where that came from with him. I don't know if it started with him when he was cut. What was it, what was it the sophomore year he got cut by by, uh, by Coach in North Carolina? I don't know if that competitiveness started then uh, to the point where uh, he wanted to be the best at everything. And the way he went about it, uh, especially when he got to the pro ranks and, and uh, I mean, just criticizing his teammates because he felt that if he didn't criticize them, that they he, he needed that drive out of them. He needed, needed them to be better, uh, trying to get them at his level. And if you think about that, guys, it's awfully tough to do it. And I think this is one of the reasons you don't see great players make great coaches or a good coach is because a lot of times players, uh, coach, I mean, great players just don't understand why the game doesn't come as easy for others as it did for them. And I think that's what Michael went through there for, for a period of time, uh, trying to get the best out of everyone. Um, but I've never seen anyone with that type of verbal drive, if you, if you understand what I mean. I, I play with guys, and, and you watch guys like Magic and all these guys, and Kareem, who play hard, and they try to lead by example on the floor. I mean, they, they leave it all out there on the floor. But Michael had this verbal drive that that uh, should have irritated some players, you know, but uh, you can tell that as long as you're winning and you're doing things like that, then, you know, nothing's said. What do you think about how the Jazz were portrayed, Booner? And I'll, I'll just give you my opinion real quick. I, I didn't think they were portrayed wrongly or negatively. I just didn't think there was enough. I didn't think they really told the Jazz story very well. I was expecting more because the way they were – the way they brought that to you, uh, you know, leading into 1998, 97, and the 98 with the back-to-back uh, uh, games against the Jazz in the in the for the NBA Finals, I was expecting something bigger. If you know what I mean, uh, uh, 
meaning the, the footage to be a lot longer and, and covering a little bit more how competitive it was, uh, uh, what Carl Malone was able to do against them and how they countered that, you know, that type of thing. That's what I was expecting, and, and I didn't think the, the climax of that wasn't what I expected, that's for sure. Well, as I went back and I thought about that series, especially the one in 98, uh, where I thought that Jazz team was really, really good, and I thought they were going to win that series, actually. But but when I went back and looked at the scores, I'd forgot all the scores were in the 80s, and all the scores were close, like one or two possession. The, the, the talent level was really close, and the scoring was way down. That was a different game back then, wasn't it? It was a totally different game. I mean, it was more of a half-court game. I, I thought that benefited the Jazz more so than the um, – uh, than the Chicago Bulls. But most of those games, if you look at most of the games during the playoffs, even leading up to the championship championship series, those games was in the 80s, uh, a 90s-plus game was, was considered to be high. That's because everyone played the half-court game once they got into the finals. And just think about the during the course of the year, um, I don't know what did the Jazz win that 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 '98 season? Did they win like 60, 60 games, sixty-two games somewhere in yeah, there? Yeah. I mean, there was a lot of games where they scored in the '90s and maybe in the hundreds. But as always, they say, okay, the game slows down when you get into the playoffs, uh, and especially when you get into the finals, and and because defense takes over, um, and defensive schemes and and that that type of thing, and. Uh, it, it came back to bite the jazz for the most part because Michael Jordan ended up stripping the basketball from Carbalone and and uh, but that was uh, I was expecting a lot more out of out of the out of the championship series as well. But those scores, hey, they weren't very high, but at least they were close enough to where it brought excitement to to the to the win. Ron Boone with us here on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. And Booner, we saw in that uh, docuseries how uh, Jordan alleging that um, he was poisoned for the flu game with a poison pizza. Mm-hmm. We actually had uh, a guy on the air yesterday who claimed to be the one who delivered and made the pizza and said it was not poisoned. So what's your theory? Was Michael poisoned? Did he have the flu? Was he hungover? What happened? We'll never know, will we? We won't know who li- who's telling a lie there. But... It's funny, guys, because I hadn't heard about pizza. I had heard about food, but I hadn't heard pizza. I had also heard that he was in Vegas all night, you know, or something like that. I mean, those were the rumors and the stories that were out there and the reason that he was so tired and and because he had been down to Vegas and party and all that kind of stuff and and came back and, and played the game. I had not heard pizza, but not to say that he wasn't, you know, he didn't get food poisoning. I mean, I don't know what kind of meat he had. Was it chicken? It could have been we bad. Were, I mean, we were told it was pepperoni. But it was pepperoni. Know. Well, I've never heard pepperoni being bad like that. But, hmm. you know, you just never know what, you know, maybe with some bad food. I don't know. But whatever the case, um, <clears throat> he played it well. He got, what, what do you guys think? Are you thinking, you have your theory on this. You're thinking that it was... Um, something made up right oh i think it, some, some rogue jazz yeah. fan poisoned him for sure <laughs> <laughs> some no, uh, no, chemi- <laughs> a chemistry major booner uh, probably working <laughs> at the pizza shop yeah so so the the trainer or not his trainer his um was it his trainer was yeah, it yeah, his, his personal his, trainer yeah i mean he he chimed in on that as well as though it was 
pizza. Now, we know he did eat pizza. Um, but, man, was he sick or not? It's hard to say. Whatever the case, you know, the Jazz got to the finals a couple of years in a row, had an excellent chance of, of, of winning that winning that series. I thought on paper we probably had a little deeper team. Um, but, you know, Michael Jordan, just, he's just unbelievable. Or he was unbelievable. Brunner, uh, moving ahead to what's going on now, I wanted to ask you about this surgery that uh, Boyan Bogdanovich underwent on his wrist. Did you ever hurt your wrist playing? And uh, isn't that remarkable that he could go as long as he did with a, he's right-handed and shooting the ball with a wrist injury like that? You know, it, it's fascinating. And David and I talked about. I don't know if you guys know, but David was on this. Um, you know, throughout the year. You know, we'd sit in practice and we and we'd talk about. Uh, how he's withstanding the pain because once you shoot, you flick that wrist. You go, you're going to experience some some pain shooting the ball. But he was able to play right right through that. So David was on that throughout the uh, throughout the year, uh, and he still was able to score to score with it. But I've never had any wrist pain or anything like that, so I don't know, you know, totally what what he's going through. But I thought it was remarkable to the fact that he could still. What did he end up shooting? Forty two, forty three percent from the three-point line, and, and uh, it was, you would think that that would be hard to do. But uh, I've never had an injury like that, and so I can't really say that how painful it is and how to play through something like that, but obviously he got it done very well. If we do have some sort of playoff, Booner, how tough is it going to be for the Jazz to make a run without him? I think conditioning is, is going to be a key, and it's going to be hard. It's going to be very hard for them because he is their their – the, the, the leading scorer, uh, he's the, the three-point shooter. He, he's the one that that um, uh, they need, I, I think. And it's going to be tough to win, with, you know, to win without him. The Jazz system complements Boyan more more so than than what we thought at the beginning of the year, and uh, it's going to be tough to win without him, I think. Uh, but not to say that they can't do it. I mean, the Jazz uh, have players that you know can get the job done. Uh, and they have a system to complement certain guys on this team to make them better. Now, trying to get in shape and being ready to play in a short period of time, uh, who does it work for? I mean, does it work more so with individual talent, like just throw out a, a team like the Houston Rockets or the Los Angeles Lakers where they have this individual talent? Does it work better with players like that, with a team built like that, or does it work better with a team that has a system that everyone can play in? That's going to be something to look at. It seems like the timing would be knocked off for a system team, doesn't it? A little, or at least take some time to get that coordinated again. You, you would think so, absolutely. And you hit it right on the head, Gordon. I, I think that it definitely would, uh, because you know individual talent. You know, you can you can go to the gym and, and perform that way. But when you put a, uh, collectively a bunch of guys together, then that, that really makes a difference. And then trying to. Uh, play without Boyan uh, and who's going to pick up the slack I mean I mean, there's a lot of shots there to be taken can they do it collectively and get the job done uh, we just have to wait and see hopefully you know there's some games to be played here pretty quick yeah no doubt Ron Boone is with us here on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone Ron what was your reaction when you saw that Walt Perrin was leaving for the Knicks very surprised. Uh, I know uh, we was always glad to see him. You know, David and I, someone would be sitting there and shoot around, and we see Walt Perrin there, and we knew maybe something's going on when you see him, you know. 
but uh, he, he's been with the organization a long time and kind of sad to see him uh, leaving this organization. I know he, he spends a lot of time in Chicago, um, but kind of sad to see him go. I mean, he was he's a very nice, uh, knowledgeable uh, person, you know, and, and I thought he did well for this basketball team. Booner, it said that uh, the Jazz aren't going to hire anyone to replace Walt, that they're going to share those duties. Um, that is a really unique skill, isn't it, being able to figure out uh, which skilled players would fit into the NBA game and which ones uh, not so much? I, I've always thought, been fascinated with that, Gordon. Uh, and the reason for that is that, I mean, there are great college players that are great college players. And trying to make that decision on can they can they transfer that great college ability uh, into the pro ranks uh, I, and, and separate the two. I, I've always thought that's been very very hard for for guys like Walt Perry. Obviously, you know they are out on the road quite a bit and they're watching players and and uh, they get a chance to watch them multiple times. Uh, and it's to me, it's always been very difficult to do. Uh, again, I mean they're out on the road and they're watching a lot of players, but. They're great college players that just don't make it into the NBA. And then I've seen players that have, uh, you wouldn't think would be that good coming out of college because their stats didn't look that way, but really have a pro game for the most part and, you know, get 10, 10 years in the league. So I've always thought that was been a very tough job, and, and Walt Perrin has done a very good job at it. Booner, have you at least called Locke up on occasion just to argue with him about something? Bark with bark at him about the mid-range game or something? We we do that all the time. And Good. It's, it's kind of fun. But I, I love to make him back his back his argument up. And David is so good at convincing you that he's right when he's wrong. So <laughs> <laughs> I love that, Booner. That, that is my that. man. I, I I love David. That's my man. So I can I can talk about him. You guys can't. But I go watch I go watch his daughter play golf all the time. She's going to be one of the best golfers in the state one of these days. So, uh, yeah. you bring up a good point though, because I mean sometimes numbers really indicate something, but I I have a tendency to trust your eye, you know, mm-hmm. and, and there's a place for both, I suppose. Yeah, that is what makes it so tough for, for guys like Walt Perrin and, and Dennis Lindsay and, and, and even, even, even uh, Quinn, uh, watching players at the beginning of the season and, and uh, what players play best together and, you know, that type of thing. You have to have the eye for that. And, and, uh, and, and now with analytics, you know, it makes it probably a little bit easier to, to put guys together. But you, you just can't rely on numbers, I think, of, of a player coming out of college anymore. Uh, because you just don't know if that tal- talent level in college is going to uh, translate into a very good NBA player. That's, that's how tough a job it is, I thought. I've always been fascinated with that guy, when guys can can do that. Perfect example is this, and I'll give you a story here, and, and, and it involved Walt Penn, as a matter of fact. Uh, Wesley Matthews uh, came to the Jazz um and I would, you know, David and I sit there, we watch practice over and over and over and over, and I'm watching – Wesley, and I'm thinking, boy, this kid's pretty good. He seems to be in the right spot uh, when he's on the floor. I think he's doing a lot of things well. And I mentioned it to Walt Perrin, and he says, yeah, but he can't shoot. So 
he gets a shot. Why? Because C.J. Miles gets hurt, remember? And he had to go to the yeah. D League or something like that. He gets a shot, and here he is now, what, 12, 13 years later, he's still in the NBA, and it's turned into a pretty good shooter. So being able to recognize something like that, uh, and and then you have that guy that has that drive to be better like he did, you know, he, he, he turned that into a very good NBA career. Well, I hope, Booner, that you lorded that over Walt's head for all the years. I did. Believe me, I did. I, <laughs> I let him know that I picked Wesley Matthews, not him. No, that's not true. That's not true. That's not true. <laughs> well, hey, Booner, thank you so much for jumping on with us, man. It's great to hear your voice, and uh, we appreciate the perspective. And, uh, hey, we're going to have to bug you again soon. I, now, do you and Gordon argue more than David and I? Ooh, that's a that's a good question. Um, I'm gonna say no, no, I don't think we do, and we argue we argue a lot. But see, you see, you you balance out David's geekiness, though, is what I like about. It. Okay, I, I'll give you that. What hey, do you Booner, think, Gordon? Booner, Booner, I, I, I gotta ask Booner a question. When when David, uh, were you there the time when? Locke got hit by the T-shirt gun. <laughs> yes, it and, was. I mean, oh, hey, it, hey, it was in our arena. <laughs> yeah, and and I was wondering, Austin, could you play right, full that? Full time out now. One fifty-seven left. <laughs> I didn't get to see the replay on that. We'll try to see if we can get it. When we come back. Jazz by nine. One fifty-seven left in the set. Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> David stands. He stands when he when he broadcasts. That T-shirt knocked him. It's a good thing that chair was right behind him. That T-shirt knocked him right back down into that chair. You know, it was funny because you you're concentrating on the game and you're probably he's probably looking at his computer or whatever. And bam! Oh my God! You know. <laughs> oh, I would have loved so much to have seen that live. I, I would have loved so much to be you, Booner, watching that happen right as it happened. Well, I was afraid for him at, at first, but then I saw he was all right. Then it became funny as hell. <laughs> Thanks, Booner. You're the man. All right, guys. We'll see you. See you. That's the great Ron Boone, uh, radio analyst for the Utah Jazz. He and David Locke do a terrific, terrific job. Uh, it's been fun being a part of that broadcast for the last several years. And, uh, yeah, I'm, I miss hearing those guys uh, talk. They do a heck of a broadcast. Yeah, they do, and then they toss it back to you, and you ruin everything. I do. It's true. But, uh, <laughs> you know, we were joking about the arguing thing. You know, one thing about their broadcast, which I really, really like, Jazz is... by nine, <laughs> 157, left in the set. Oh, my God. <laughs> uh, David and Ron bring two very different perspectives, and I think that's yeah. uh, that brings a lot of value to the broadcast because you, you really do get a great feel of what's going on. Uh, uh, because of their different perspectives. Uh, I think it's unique. Well, one thing, yeah, having worked with Ron uh, back uh, many moons ago when we did the morning show together with DJ, um, he, he's, he's very confident in his experience in the game. And so when someone challenges him, Whoever's going to challenge Booner better better have some some backup. Bring the to heat. It. Yeah, yeah, because Booner knows. I mean, he's lived it. He 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 knows exactly, and he's watched it for all these years. So, I think there is value on both sides of that. So it's good to hear uh, various perspectives. All right, stay tuned. Ninety-seven five and twelve eighty of the zone.